Good morning, Cedar Church. It's a joy to be with you once again, and thank you, Steve, for the kind words and the opportunity to be here preaching uh, once again. Uh, we really enjoyed worshiping with you guys last week, so we're glad to be able to be here again. You can turn your Bibles to the book of 3 John. We looked at 2 John last week, a very short letter, and again, a very short letter from the Apostle John. So please uh, look to 3 John in the Bible, and you'll see uh, I didn't just pick Romans 16 earlier to test Steve's medal with all those Greek names, but uh, you'll notice a lot of thematic similarities uh, in this letter, looking at the camaraderie of truth that um, people often talk about history as, you can look at history as just the highlights of the great men, but in Romans 16, we see that the apostle Paul wasn't alone, but had a network of helpers and friends that were partners with him in the ministry. And many times it said they worked hard. They worked hard in the Lord, uh, something we're all called to do together. So let's read from God's word, the book of 3 John. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love, and you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Amen. May the Lord bless us as we look to his word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is truth, and we ask as Jesus prayed that you will sanctify us by your truth, that through the truth we look at together, your Holy Spirit would be working in each of our hearts, above all to conform us to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask. Amen. In 2 John, John was writing to this elect lady, this nameless woman. In 3 John, he's writing again a short letter to a friend, a friend named Gaius. And in verse 1, we see that John here is writing, To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Uh, your Bible might say, uh, the beloved Gaius. It's this greeting of this closeness, this connection, a belovedness, and fittingly translated, a dear friend. That's to whom he's writing, a dear friend. 
And so if the Apostle John is writing to a close friend, I think there's something instructive to us if we're thinking about the idea of Christian friendship, how we can learn from how John relates to and encourages his friend, and how we might be encouraged thereby and learn how to encourage others. I think we have a window into Christian friendship here. And now friendship has fallen on hard times in our day. Most probably would wish to have more friends or the ones that they have that their relationships would be closer. And actually just in the last 30 years, since 1990, the percentage of Americans who say they have no close friends has quadrupled. Four times as many people saying they have no close friends as when I uh, was born in 1990. It's a difficult place to be in, to have that loneliness, that lack of friendship. Family can be wonderful, uh, work connections, but there's something about friends that meets a particular need in each of our hearts. And friendships are largely based on commonalities, common interests, common values, common goals and pursuits, even a common job, a common work, uh, a common hobby or sport, uh, a common way of looking at the world. These things that are common to us bring us together. I really like uh, what C.S. Lewis wrote in The Four Loves about friendship. He said that friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, what, you too? And just that thought of, what, you too? And you have that immediate connection that what is dear to you is also dear to this other person. And Christian friendships provide the greatest basis for this sort of you too connection because it reaches right to our deepest values and our most supreme goals. What, you love Christ too? You wanna serve Christ as well? A common bond for friendship right at the beginning. And we're gonna see in John's letter to Gaius that Christians' friendship is built on the commonalities we have in the truth. The truth connections we have, our common participation in the truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel and are working in it together. He says, Gaius, whom I love in the truth. This loving in the truth, the connection we have in the truth, is a wonderful foundation for Christian friendship. And we're gonna see that John encourages Gaius and thereby encourages us to walk in the truth, to work for the truth, and to witness from the truth. And so though many of us struggle in what is perhaps the most individualistic society the world has ever known. We struggle to cultivate close friendships. We can learn from John that Christian friendships flourish as we walk in the truth together, as we work for the truth together, and witness from the truth together. So let's look at these in turn. Uh, take a look with me at verse 2. John writes, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, friendship, it does require a genuine desire for the good of the other, their holistic good, not just a little bit, but all parts of them. John is wishing Gaius a wellness in his body and his life as it's already well with his soul. 
which is kind of interesting. He's basically saying that I wish that your outward circumstances of life, your health and everything would be as good as your soul is doing with God. Now, we would often wish the opposite for ourselves and others. We're often doing well, comfortable in life, and we would wish that our souls would be doing as well as the rest of us. But it's a desire for this holistic good, body and soul. And you know a true friend, not necessarily by who's there for you in the bad times, because actually, when you fall into hardship, you'd be surprised at how many people will come and gather around you, ones you wouldn't have expected. But often true friendships are best seen by who most rejoices with you, who most delights in seeing you do well, who most is willing to celebrate your successes. Uh, Think of those uh, parables Jesus tells, the woman who finds the lost coin, the man who finds the lost sheep, who call their friends to come celebrate with them over what has been found. A desire for the good of another. But notice particularly, it's a desire for spiritual good. John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This is what creates this emotional response in John's heart, a rejoicing that Gaius is walking in the truth. And a true Christian friend, the greatest delight is in the good of the soul of their brother or sister, to see that their soul is thriving and doing well with God. And it's this common goal of walking together in the truth. We're all on the same walk, seeking to follow God, that our lives would be worthy of the calling with which we've been called. Again, C.S. Lewis notes that the essence of a romantic relationship is that face-to-face staring into each other's eyes, but often the essence of a friendship is that side-by-side walking the same road, as Christians walking the road of truth. Now, what, what does it mean to walk in the truth? Well, it's walking in towards the truth, in the way of truth. Uh, it's not going towards what is false. Um, what is the end that we're reaching after when we're walking towards what is true? Well, we are walking towards God himself and happiness in God. We know as we confess that our chief end, that is the destination we are headed towards, is that of glorifying God and enjoying God. As we walk in the truth, we're walking in obedience to God's commands and enjoying his person. So the way of truth is therefore both the way of righteousness and the way of joy. And what a blessing it is to be together walking down the paths of righteousness towards greater joy in God. And it delights our hearts when we see each other walking in the truth and can encourage each other to walk in the truth. This is on a special delight of the corporate public worship we're enjoying today. Yes, I love to turn up uh, the worship music loud and worship God on my own, but my heart needs to be encouraged as I see you worshiping God, as I can look around today with the lights on, seeing my brothers and sisters who are enjoying the Lord. And so when I'm not necessarily feeling like I'm at my best, I'm encouraged that my brothers and sisters are walking in the truth and I know I'm not alone. We can enjoy walking in the truth as we meet in small groups, and we particularly can encourage each other on an individual level, to pray for one another on an individual level, to encourage and exhort one another to continue this road, difficult as it is. 
And I often need that accountability of that consistent time. I'm often not good at just uh, bringing up spiritual conversations with my friends and in the groups. And so sometimes those intentional times where you're meeting together for the purpose of doing what we want most can be a beautiful encouragement to our hearts. But also individually, calling one another to walk in the truth. And I think often in our friendships, we're reticent to bring up spiritual things uh, just because for some fear of initiating, of awkwardness, and it just takes courage. I think people are more ready to speak about spiritual things and the state of our hearts than we often give them credit for. And if you see someone takes that willingness, that initiative to make that first stumbling step, often beautiful, edifying conversations result, and we exhort one another to walk in the truth. I've been told that it's quite common in the Scottish Presbyterian churches um, back in Great Britain that the, one of the main questions they ask one another is just, how's your walk? That's the terminology they like to use. Brother, sister, how's your walk? Broad, open-ended, see where it goes. How is your walk? We're called to walk in the truth together, the same direction as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not only called to walk in the truth, but we're also called to work together for the truth, to work for the truth. Look at verse five. John says, dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love and you will do them well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. Now there's nothing like a common cause, a common goal to bring people together. When people unite often in times of warfare against a common enemy with a common goal, people come together often, they group together with particular religious interests or uh, political perspectives, or um, even with coworkers, you're working towards these common goals, and that's often a source of friendship because you're united in a common goal. Now in the church, we are co-workers for the truth partnering together in the greatest mission, the greatest goal we could have to see God's kingdom come and to see God's will be done. We're battling not flesh and blood, but spiritual hosts and powers of darkness and wickedness, as Ephesians 6 tells us. And this is an exciting, amazing journey, the fight of faith to be a part of together. And so even though we all have different roles, as different parts of the body, we're all united together in this one common mission. Now, Gaius was playing a part in this. There seems to have been traveling preachers coming through, seeking to the minister to the church he was at. Uh, we'll see later that they weren't received with a great welcome, but Gaius decided to take them in and show them hospitality at his own personal cost, taking care of these men. And John uh, affirms and blesses him for it. This is a practice of Christian hospitality. And you can imagine these traveling preachers, it says they're receiving no help from the outside world they're going. And these aren't simple times to travel and take care of yourself. They just can't stop by McDonald's and grab a quick bite to eat, to be wonderfully served by Cody there. But they have to depend on other people for their support. 
They have to be dependent on the hospitality of others. Strangers, we're told, ones they don't even know. And Gaius, at his own cost, shows them Christian love and hospitality. And so John says that in doing that, he is a worker together for the truth. Even though he's not the one preaching, he's working together for the truth by sacrificially giving of his resources to support the ministry. And do you realize that all your giving to the work of Cedar Church, all your giving to the work of missions and church planting is a working together for the truth. It's a partnership in the gospel. It's not just a small thing we do, but it is a sharing together. The ministries of this church wouldn't happen without generous giving. The ministries of our missionaries and church planters wouldn't happen without partnership in giving. And that is a working together for the truth. And we need to see ourselves more as partners. Our giving is something we can be excited about, excited about investing in. Uh, maybe you're the type that likes to follow sort of a tech startups that start with something called venture capital. Okay, venture capital is where people try to give a lot of money to small ideas that they think could be really big in the end. And I was reading an interview with someone that liked to invest in these sort of startups. And they said, why would you do this sort of investment? And he said, perhaps the most fundamental attraction of working in venture capital is sick, simply the fact that the job is incredibly interesting. You get to work with people who are trying to change the world every day. Its very purpose is to create outsized impact and change. Now, these guys are investing in the physical to hopefully create some impact in the natural but we get to invest in that which produces outsized impact for eternity. How amazing is it and to invest in something that might lead to the saving of a soul, the healing of a marriage, the helping of an orphan or a widow. We ought to be excited about the opportunity and privilege we have to partner in the work God is doing here locally, but abroad in the world as well. We need to see our giving as joyful partnership, sowing into all that God is doing. And now this isn't an excuse to just give and sit back. No, we're also called to invest and work for the truth with our gifts. Peter in 1 Peter 4 talks about two types, speaking gifts, serving gifts. And so we're all called here to give ourselves to speak words of encouragement to each other, to serve where we can, to function well as the body of Christ. Now, how does this truth of this working together impact Christian friendship? Well, it means that we're working for the same thing. We're in the trenches together, fighting the fight of faith together. If you've ever talked to someone or heard interviews with one that's uh, fought in warfare, been in military combat, they'll tell you that the sorts of friendships that are formed out on the front lines in the trenches are the sorts of friendships that you don't see anywhere else because they realize the stakes. They know how much they need one another. They know the mission they're on. And so we ought to have the same mindset as we fight the fight of faith, that we are deeply invested in this most important of battles together. And how could we not form bonds of friendship if we're all united looking out, looking to the mission of God, the coming of the kingdom of Christ? It's in this ministering together that the bonds of friendship form and excel. 
But the opposite is also true. That if we become inward and self-focused, uh, the more prone then we are just to gossiping and to quarreling. If the most exciting thing in church life is not the mission, but uh, how Mrs. So-and-so was dressed this morning or how Mr. So-and-so's child is rebelling, if that's the most interesting thing, whether we should pave the parking lot or not, then what happens is we're not unified on mission, but we start breaking up into factions gossiping about one another, quarreling with one another, and that's no basis for Christian friendship. You might call this the Diotrephes problem. The Diotrephes problem, we see this in our text. Look at verse 9. John says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, gossiping maliciously about us, and not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Now, Diotrephes, he's self-focused. He's not about the mission. He wants uh, the leadership. He wants control. He wants to be the gatekeeper of who can come, who gets to the speak into the life of this church. He's resistant towards these outside perspectives, these outside voices. He wants to be first. He likes to gossip about the church leaders. Perhaps he, like perhaps even some of you, likes to go home after church and enjoy roast pastor for lunch. That's not what we want to have. This inward self-focus, my needs, my preferences, my desires, that breaks the bonds we ought to share as brothers and sisters. We don't want to be like Diotrephes, inward, self-focused, politicking, controlling, Self-focus kills friendships. But if we're looking out together, dreaming together, working, serving together in the mission of Christ, what bonds of friendship that can form. We wanna be walking in the truth together. We wanna be working for the truth together, but we also wanna be witnessing from the truth together. Look at verse 11. Dear friend, John writes, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. We don't only support the mission with our words and deeds, but we want to live this mission as well. We want to witness from the truth. John says, don't imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. We ought to imitate the good, to do good, he writes. Whoever does good is of God. That is, don't be like Diotrephes, but be like Demetrius, one who's well spoken of, whose goodness and Christian character is well attested. It says, actually, even, he says, we all speak well of Demetrius. Even the truth speaks well of Demetrius. How would the truth speak well of Demetrius? Well, just as you can see sort the quality of a craftsman or builder by the craft work or by the building they've constructed, that building testifies to their quality. So the building of a life, in this case, the building of Demetrius's life what people saw in him spoke well of him as a man of goodness following the truth. 
And we're also said to be building a house in our lives. We're told this in 1 Corinthians 3. And we're called to build with the precious metals, with the gems, not to build with straw and hay, that our life would speak well of Christ. We're called not only to witness of the truth with our words, but we're also called to witness from the truth with our lives. That is living according to the truth, living that truly good life. Now, in our circles, we're often rightly concerned of that sort of sentiment that would say, uh, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. We say, no, no, we have to preach the word. It's all about the words. We gotta speak the word, speak the truth, because without the message, it's all for naught. And that's true and good, but I fear sometimes we swing too far and we miss the fact that we are also called to live lives that witness well of Christ and the gospel. That we're, we are called to do good, not just speak what's good. The beauty of our life and lifestyle ought to be a witness. Jesus tells us this in Matthew 5, 16. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The seeing, the witness, leads to the glorification of God. Peter says as much in 1 Peter 2.12. He says, says, live such good lives among the pagans that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Our good deeds are a witness that living according to the truth is the best way to live. This is the way of joy, of justice and righteousness. It's what God's called us to. He says, anyone who does good is from God. And this again is a fitting posture for Christian friendship to be people that desire to do good to all, especially of the household of faith, to be about imitating the good we see in one another, practicing good to others. And really, um, I might say, if you want to make friends, have a mindset that just wants to do good to others. Don't just be thinking about what can others give to me, who can come to me and bring this to me, but what can I do for others? How might I do that person good? How might I show this coworker good? How might I show this brother or sister and seek their good in their lives? Friendships are wonderful gifts, and in friendships we have a great capacity to do one another good. And we want to be seeking, doing good, imitating those who do good. We are walking on the road of truth together. We are seeking to work in the kingdom of God together, and we're seeking to live lives together that reflect the goodness of God. This is how we want to relate to each other, to think about one another and to encourage one another in the church based on these commonalities that the truth brings us. We are walking in it together, working for it together, witnessing from it together. John writes, concluding to Gaius in verse 13, he says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends here by name. And so John concludes a letter from a friend to a friend. And he reminds us again, as he did in 2 John, that the best joys in relationships do come from the face-to-face, -face, the face-to-face -face interactions. And he fittingly says, peace to you. John wishes him peace. Isn't that an amazing blessing to be able to bless someone with? Peace to you. 
Now, this wasn't an uncommon greeting in this day, but this greeting with this farewell has its fullest expression and greatest fulfillment as we bless one another as Christians, because we can say peace to you. That is peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace in our consciences, knowing we are cleansed of our sins by his blood, which means we can have peace with one another. We don't need to fight for our rights or to fight to get what's ours because we already have all in Christ. So we can have peace with one another and peace forever. The world to come is that perfect world of peace. So we can truly heart to heart, friend to friend, wish one another peace to you. Would you enjoy peace with God? Would you enjoy peace in your conscience? Would you enjoy peace in your relationships? And would you enjoy it forever? That is the truest good we can wish to one another. That is the heart of a friend. When you look at someone and you wish them peace, I want peace for you. I want you to know the God of peace and the peace you can have with God through Christ. And the response of friendship is you too. That's the famous uh, response that's been throughout church history where someone says, peace be with you and the response is, and also with you. That's Christian friendship. Peace be with you and also with you. All because of Christ. Yes, all because of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you most of all that through Christ, we are your friends, welcomed into your family, made to be at peace. The hostility that once kept us from our maker, done away with through the atoning work of our savior. Lord, we pray that we would learn to have a cultivated friendship with Jesus, that we would know the fellowship of the spirit, your love, your grace. And Lord, from this security, from the love we know, from the friend above all friends, that we would be friends in return. Lord, would you show us this basis we have for friendship and that, that we would build on that truth connection we all share, that we wouldn't see each other in natural terms, but we would see one another with that, those eyes of faith, that we would see how connected we are in Christ, how much we share in this God we love and this faith we profess and the walk we wanna walk. Lord, help us to encourage one another in our walk of faith, that we would not walk alone, but side by side, encouraging and exhorting one another every day that none may fall away. Lord, that we would work hard in the Lord, that we would be generous and seeing the mission you've set before us. And Lord, that our lives would speak well of Jesus and that our lives would be attractive and inviting, that others would also come to know the truth, to know the one who is truth, Jesus, and find life in him. Help us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.